I'm bringing you a message from Philippians. I'm an elder of a, a small church in Whiteleaf called Whiteleaf Free Church, and we're going through Philippians at the moment. Um, and Philippians brings you, a, uh, Paul brings this message to these Christians who are under pressure, who are facing circumstances that in their lives are difficult. Um, early Christians faced a lot of difficulty, particularly from persecution and uh, the Roman Emperor Nero. And uh, persecution wasn't just the overt terror, but it was also subtle and marginalizing uh, for Christians. So they were experiencing pressure. He delivers a lot of theology, as Paul often does in his letters. And then he always then at the end says, and this is how you work it out. This is how you walk. This is how you think and understand and walk this through. And so Philippians is this wonderful letter that brings us something that I feel resonates with us now. And that is anxiety. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. How utterly ridiculous. <laughs> is he living in my world? Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Really, Paul? I've learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether in want or in need or in, with plenty or if I'm hungry. I don't believe you, Paul. Yeah, do you feel anxious this morning? If I said to you, just stop and just reveal what your, what your anxieties are, they would come quickly to your mind, wouldn't they? I don't know your circumstance this morning. You may be facing some sig significant health issues in your life. You may be facing a health issue of a partner, a spouse, a child. You may be expecting results you don't know, you're uncertain, and the future is looking uncertain. We are weighed down by anxiety in these days, aren't we? And it's compounded by the war in Ukraine, the effects of lockdown, the price of gas, and many, many other things. And when those things become compounded to us, we can start to realize we're living with a low level of constant anxiety. We can feel it in our stomachs often. You know, when I heard the news of the Queen's death, my first thought wasn't sadness, it was anxiety. It was anxiousness. What will this mean for the future? And so many of us are thinking these things, and it's into that context that Paul speaks the words, utterly unrealistically, do not be anxious about anything. And he says that there are ways to deal with anxiety. There are two ways that Paul says. One is a supernatural grace, and we'll talk about that. And then the second is a practical way of guarding thought life, and we'll just talk about that briefly. But you know what? Um, I googled, oh, sorry, I went to the Amazon website. I thought, let's have a look at self-help books on anxiety and worry. Do you know I had over 40,000 results. You know, many titles, Be Happy, Don't Worry, How to Live Without Worry. Um, frightening amount of books actually written for pre-teen children. My fa favorite one was The Anxious Ninja. Um, but underlying in our culture are huge amounts of anxiety. And um, I was looking at some figures. The American Association, sorry, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, that's an aptly named organization, isn't it? Um, 
40 million US adults every year, every year suffer from depression and anxiety. 31% of US adolescents suffer from anxiety disorders. That's huge. If we come back to Britain, the Office of National Statistics says that 75% of adult Britons fear about the environment. Also was interesting, it said this as well, for someone that works internationally, that generalised anxiety disorders are mostly prevalent, where? In Western countries. There's something to learn. It's worth just understanding quickly what the difference between fear, worry and anxiety is. Fear is a God-given emotion. You know, if I cross this road without looking, it's a bit foolish, isn't it? And if I see a car coming towards me, my fear response in my body causes adrenaline to hit my heart and it makes me act and react. It helps me think and act. Worry is when you then go to every road and you think, I'm going to be run down, I'm going to be run down, I'm going to be run down. And then when you continually replay worries in your mind, it develops into anxiety. And the problem with anxiety is it's this, is that you are having a fear response which constantly releases adrenaline, higher blood pressure and heart rate, and it releases a response that you constantly are living in that state. Are you worried this morning? Are you a fellow warrior like me? I'm no subject matter expert on worry, but I know that I can tell often the compounded issues around me of my friends, family and the world cause me to be more anxious. So Paul, how do you tell these Philippian Christians to not be anxious about anything? How can you make these statements? Well, Paul, you know, he's not lying on some beach in uh, Malta. You know, they've had a shipwreck, a fine, I'll catch some rays in Malta. I'll sip from a cold iced coconut and I'll dictate a letter to Silas, take a letter to the Philippians. Um, he is on death row, chained to a Roman guard. And we know from history, within two years of writing this letter, he was executed under Nero. He knows what it is to live with the anticipation of trouble. You know, it says of Job, doesn't it? Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. This man, Paul, knew trouble. He says this to the Corinthian church. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That's 39. <laughs> For those like me, mathematically challenged. Um, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was drift at sea. I mean, you wouldn't have got on a boat with the Apostle Paul, would you? It seems like everything he got on sank. In danger from the wilderness, in danger from robbers, in danger from my own people, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship... Sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, this is what he says. There is the daily pressure and the anxiety for all the churches. He uses the word. He is not a superhuman. He's like you and I. He suffers anxiety. God recognises whatever your anxious thoughts are. 
you're not condemned for those thoughts. He knows exactly what's in our hearts. And whatever you are going through, he is saying this to you. But the, but the statement that Paul says, which is the clue to how you deal with this supernaturally, he says, rejoice in the Lord. That phrase is used ten times throughout this letter and four times in this chapter four. In the Lord. What does that mean to be in the Lord? Is it one of those lovely things that people say to you over coffee on Sunday? Rejoice in the Lord. But then on Monday it means absolutely nothing when you're trying to find a job, when you're trying to work through your issues, when you're waiting for that diagnosis from or that scan result. Does it mean nothing? Now Paul is saying this, it means something to them. In the Lord is something that is being done inside of us. You know, we, um, we often wonder why is it that Paul sometimes doesn't pray for their circumstances to be changed. But it, when Paul prays for his, the, the churches, you'll notice that he's focusing on their inner being. And he focuses on what's happening inside of them. You might not be able to control the external events that are happening to you, but how you deal with them internally is what Paul is talking about. We tend to think, don't we, that peace is the absence of conflict and turmoil. And often when we are going through troubles, that our first prayer is, Lord, remove this from me. But God is with us in those situations and he teaches us something about himself through them. That's why he said to the Ephesians, I pray that God, out of his glorious riches, may strengthen you, where? In your inner being, in your inner being, so that you will have the resources that are available to you to deal with the situation. In the Lord. And we, um, we sometimes wonder if that being peaceful is something like the absence of all that is troubling us. I um, want to bring up a couple of slides uh, just of a painting competition. Dr. Alan Redpath used to use this analogy, if you remember that name. There was a, a painting competition given once, and it was, say, paint a scene of peace. And it wasn't this particular picture. I couldn't find the actual painting. This won second prize. A painting that you see the shafts of light and you feel, I could be there. I'm peaceful. It was a wonderful painting. It won second prize. The first painting received first prize and the next one on the slide. Wasn't quite this painting, I couldn't find the original one, but the, the uh, painter went down to Cornwall in a storm, went to the cliff tops in a gale and it was rain and it was dark and there were brooding clouds and the waves were high and they were beating against the cliff and at the top of a cliff was a, a tree that was bent double and as you looked at this painting you thought, that's not peaceful. It's a, a picture of a storm. But if you studied the painting carefully, you, went, you traced your eye down the cliff, right in that cliff, in a cleft, was a gull. 
asleep on a nest. And that painting was peace. And that won first prize. That is the kind of peace that Paul is talking about. Peace is something that is supernatural. It says, when you present your anxieties, your worries, and all of your emotions to God, however you are being churned up by a situation, present them to him in prayer. Don't be tempted to then take them back again, <laughs> which is something I do. Present them to him, present your requests, your petitions, and the promise is there that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And the word guard there that Paul uses is, imagine a garrison surrounding your heart and your mind. Because it's through the heart and the mind that we are unseated in our faith. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be unseated in your faith. I don't want you to be destabilized in your faith. It's really important that your hearts and minds are guarded in Christ Jesus. And God will put a garrison around that, a garrison around your heart. And you may be going through some terrible circumstances at this time. And I want to say that God is with you. God knows these circumstances that you're going through and there is a promise of peace in the Lord. And that's why Paul could say with his experience, you know, if he had no experience of these things, we'd disregard it a bit, wouldn't we? But he says, as you have seen in me and learned from me, put these things into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Alec Mottier in his commentary on, on Philippians said that prayer is both the antidote to anxiety and the prelude to the enjoyment of peace. That's a supernatural grace. Do you find and do you know that peace this morning? It is given in Jesus Christ. And the first thing that you have to do is bring him into your life. You have to bring him in and let his life live through you. That's why Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me by his spirit. And then secondly, if you're like me and you tend to want to take those worries back, I think I've got the resources to deal with this, Lord. I've prayed about it, but I'll take it back from your hands. And then you suddenly find that you don't have the resources within yourself to deal with this situation recognize that the resources are available to you in the Lord. And the second is a more practical thing that Paul says to these Philippians. Did you notice it? It's one of the most beautiful pieces of prose in the letters that he writes. He says, whatever is admirable, whatever is noteworthy, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is good, what does he say? Think on these things. Now, um, have you heard the expression, you are what you eat? Yeah, everything you see this morning in front of you, I originally ate. Um, you might think that's because I look like a chip. But you are what you think. You know, there was a wayside uh, banner outside of a church, and it said this. It said, you're not what you think you are, but what you think 
you are. What are you thinking right now? Do you capture your thoughts? You know, Paul says we lead every thought captive to Christ. That the transformation that starts is in our minds. The transformation that he says in Romans 12 too. And in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Do you worry? I mean, you've got a situation and you're turning it over and over and over and over in your mind. It's meditation, but negative meditation is what you're doing and creating anxiety. You're turning those things in your mind over and over. What is the antidote to that? Paul says very simply, very simply, remember those times that you saw something excellent, something praiseworthy, something admirable. It may be that you're in conflict with someone, but you know that that person is admirable. They've done praiseworthy things. You know, when he says to Iodia and Syntyche, and they're terrible names, aren't they? It's like trying to pronounce. But do you remember those two ladies? He says, I, I ask you to stop warring with one another and, and other people in the church. Can you help them agree? Not come together and actually agree that they were both wrong or that they both have the, you know, the best argument. No, agree in the Lord. Because conflict causes anxiety. I think Iodia and Syntyche would have almost died if they'd known that their little argument would have been recorded forever in history for us to read. But stand firm in the Lord and agree in the Lord. Paul wants these Philippian Christians to be spiritually whole, to not have their lives consumed by worry and anxiety. And to you and I, the Lord does not want that for us. In the days that are coming, this winter that is coming that will be difficult for Ukrainian refugees, when I look at the situation in the world and the emerging problems that we are seeing, I can be overwhelmed, overwhelmed. But God is calling you and I to be at peace. And he grants it. He says, the God of peace will be with you all. Walter Brueggemann is one of my favourite theologians. He says that shalom, peace, is a persistent vision of joy, well-being, harmony, prosperity in many dimensions and subtle nuances, love, loyalty, grace, salvation, justice, blessing, righteousness. It is the dream of God that resists all our tendencies towards division, hostility, fear, drivenness and misery. Misery. Do you have that kind of peace this morning? Paul is saying, stand firm in the Lord. Jesus reminds us to remain in him, abide in him. And it says in Isaiah, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I don't know what you're going through. You may be going through some very, very difficult times. I play... God would strengthen you firstly in your inmost being. That you can journey through these times with God. 
that you can find the resources in the Lord to deal with these situations. And when people look at you, they will say, I don't get it. This person is going through such trauma. But there is something supernatural that is going on. It will defy understanding. May God bless you. May God bless us all. May we learn to find our strength and our resources in him in these days. Amen.